0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Overtake F1 podcast. I am Ted. As always, I am joined by my brother, Tom. Tom, the reverse jinx worked. Not expecting anything from Russia, and we got a fantastic race loaded with botched strategy calls, timely wrecks, and more Ferrari drama. Mwah. Oh, yeah, and we're back to Mercedes one twos. Hamilton, Botas, and Leclerc was your podium. Hamilton with the fastest lap. In the end, it was the same result as we've always seen here in Russia, but it did not disappoint.
1: Absolutely true. Uh, Definitely the best Russian Grand Prix that I have ever seen uh, since watching this sport and definitely gave us a lot to talk about. Most of it focused on just a terrible, terrible weekend for Ferrari.
0: Yeah, this recap show is going to be heavy on the Ferrari. We've got a lot of questions to ask. We've got a lot of answers to give and a lot to unpack from Sochi. Russia had the longest distance between the start line and the first turn, so inevitably at the beginning of this race, we knew that the slipstream uh, was going to be a main plot plotline uh, of lap one. Uh, Leclerc was on pole, put in a stellar qualifying, and deserved to be on pole, but um, Leclerc had to decide on that first lap on the start whether to give his teammate the slipstream or to cut off Hamilton and potentially give him the slipstream. Leclerc ended up getting in front of Vettel. Vettel got that slipstream, punched through the air, got out in front of Leclerc. And before you know it, it was uh, Vettel out front with Leclerc in second at the start of the race.
1: And as the race went on, radio calls came out that started to tell this story of Ferrari having engineered a deal between Leclerc and Vettel, where Leclerc knew he was going to give the toe to Vettel, Vettel was going to get by, but then the deal was that Vettel would give the position back. Not a horrible strategy, not a bad way of keeping both of your excellent caliber drivers happy. The problem is that Ferrari tried to make this switch in the first 10 laps of the race with a Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton champing at the bit behind them. And that really complicated issues vettel was pulling too far ahead he was lapping too fast and the gap became uh, too large for leclerc to close up and get past vettel so you had ferrari on the radio saying vettel yield the place yield the place you had leclerc yelling on the radio i need him to get back in first i should be back in first and vettel just being like if leclerc gets closer i'll make the switch." And that radio drama went on for a while until eventually Ferrari just said, screw it, we're not making the switch. And I just have to say, Ted, was any of this necessary for Ferrari? Did they already start out thinking themselves at the beginning of the race? Because this just seems like a recipe for disaster.
0: I think the idea and the thought was good. Like, I think you knowing that one driver was going to have to give the toe and especially that the fact that Leclerc was forced to give Vettel the toe, right? Like it was either choose to give it to Hamilton or choose to give it to Vettel. So you're obviously going to choose your own team. Vettel's going to get the toe. He's going to get out in first, but the execution of the switchback is horrible. Like you have to, you have to collect the data as you go and you have to be able to make decisions on the fly. And it was clear that once Vettel was three and a half seconds up on his teammate, that like Vettel had the better race pace here in Russia. So at that point, I think you have to abandon the idea, which was already the wrong idea, which is switch them back that early. I think you, you have to secure the one, two, or you have to secure the win. And then like we've seen in the past, uh, the Mercs flip at the end or Ferrari uh, flipping at the end, like you have to commit to the win before you can get cute. So, To that question, they definitely overthought themselves here um, because of everything else that played out.
1: Agreed. I think that unlike Mercedes, they chose a strategy and said, we're doing this. This is what we're doing. And Mercedes will set that, and then they will look at the cards that get dealt to them and say, we have to adapt, we have to change our strategy, and then they will. And so I think Ferrari just was too married to that idea of the deal of keeping their drivers happy of saying like, Hey, we're going to switch. We're going to switch. And then they were getting yelled at by Leclerc. Leclerc was, you know, was yelling and on the radio and saying, I should get the place. I should get the place. Vettel was being, I think the most level headed out of the the three camps and saying Leclerc has to get closer. And Ferrari just didn't really adapt that strategy until too late. They ended up figuring it out in the pits where they brought Leclerc in first To go from soft to medium tires he came out set a great lap then they brought vettel in vettel switched to the same thing soft to medium tires and came out behind leclerc boom it's solved everything goes fine right we're all happy everybody's you know everyone ended up with what they wanted until sebastian vettel's mguk dies and that's where the race really starts falling apart for ferrari because vettel even though he tried to park by a Marshall station so that he could get his car out of the way quickly, his DNF unfortunately brings out a virtual safety car, allowing both Mercedeses to come in under the virtual safety car and get a free pit, get back out, and then we have Mercedes leading the race with Hamilton, followed by Leclerc, followed by Botas, and it was the beginning of the end for Ferrari.
0: So I think a lot of people forget that At this point, you have Leclerc ahead of Vettel, and then the Mercs needed to pit still, um, and everything was kind of solved. Everything was okay, and then obviously Vettel's car takes a dump. The Mercedes get the free pit stops, and now all hell breaks loose. Um, Credit has to go to Ferrari because they did go with the medium tires uh, off the start where Ferrari went with the softs, and just as as it was the opposite of Singapore where doing the long first stint was not the way to go, In Russia, running long and getting bailed out by a safety car definitely works. So uh, Mercedes running over half the race on those medium tires and then catching a bunch of good luck here in the middle of the race with the safety car. How many times have we seen that from Mercedes before? So it plays right into their hands. Vettel's ruined. And now Ferrari has to come back and figure out a way to have Charles Leclerc, their only driver left, surrounded by Merck's, you know, what can he do to get ahead?
1: Luckily, uh, at this point, George Russell had put his car into the wall due to a brake failure, bringing out a full safety car. And this gave Ferrari the opportunity to bring Leclerc in again to go on to some fresh, soft tires. So that way he was on the same tires as the Mercedes uh, ahead of him. And Ferrari thought that that gave him the best chance to win the day. They looked at it and they said, Leclerc is on older, slower tires. Even though the car is way faster around Russia, it's not going to have the grip that it needs. So they bring him in, they give him another shot, even though it does end up sacrificing track position to Botos. It allows Botas to get ahead of Leclerc. And so we have um, – Hamilton one, Botas two, Leclerc three, and Ferrari is saying, Leclerc, go do whatever you can do, try and get up there. And unfortunately for the remaining 20 or so laps of the race, Leclerc gives it his all, but is unable to get past the Mercedes just because the Mercedes was too good in the third sector and would pull up just enough of a gap to get away on the start-finish straight DRS zone.
0: And I think what you mentioned right there was the key to Ferrari ultimately failing uh, and Leclerc ultimately failing to overtake Botas there at the end, that third sector just absolutely killed him. Um, I think you and I differ on whether Ferrari should have pitted Leclerc. I think that they should have. I think it was the right call. I think you've been the best team. You've had the best engine and you've had the best two cars over the whole weekend. At that point, I think Ferrari had to think that they were in the driver's seat and Leclerc on fresh tires could overtake, Uh, at least overtake Botas with relative ease along that start finish straight with DRS. I think those are, you know, that was pretty fair to think that that was definitely a possibility. And then he would just have to go hunt down uh, Hamilton and hope that again, the DRS plus the younger tires uh, and on the similar tire was going to be enough to get him uh, in what seemed to be the better car over the entire weekend. So I, I think giving up track position, I know, you think that that was uh, the wrong call, but I think rolling the dice again and bringing him in for a cheap pit stop and trying to get younger tires and trying to get uh, on the level playing field on the tire level, but then also trusting that you did have the best car. um, Leclerc just really couldn't catch Botas in that third sector. And it it was, uh, you know, 20 odd laps of, of Leclerc being close enough and not being able to get him on the start finish straight. So You know, we were looking at other parts of the track for Leclerc to be able to get past Botas, and it just never happened. So at that point, it was a Mercedes one, two, and Leclerc in third.
1: Yeah, and I think that Ferrari should have trusted that they had the better better engine, the faster car, and stuck to the medium. I think that the power of that Ferrari would have overcome the quickness that the soft gave Hamilton. And I think that they should have maybe taking the gamble on trying to get Hamilton at the end of the race when his tires had gone off. And that's when they should have taken advantage of the durability of the medium tire to go after Hamilton. Um, That's just me playing backseat strategist. But I think that if you put Leclerc, tell Leclerc he's only got one Mercedes he has to overtake, let him Harry Hamilton all the way down to the last few laps, him force Hamilton to burn through his soft. And then you take advantage of the grip that you have on the like last laps with the extra rubber that you have from the medium tire. I think that would have been the play, but my thoughts, my strategy, um, it ended up, Leclerc was, was happy with the strategy. He said that that was the way they should have done it. That was what was going to be the fastest. And unfortunately it didn't work out, but you know, Leclerc gave it his all. Um, it was a tricky situation that they got themselves into. They did their best, unfortunately, uh, it was actually a mechanical failure that caused Ferrari's undoing this week as opposed to a strategy or a driver error. So we've got big problems at Ferrari now. I mean this is this has 2016
0: Rosberg and Hamilton like written all over it, right? Like these guys obviously aren't competing for the championship, but uh, there is no clear number one, there is no clear, favored driver on any race weekend we've already seen how um you know leclerc won't like didn't respect and give hamilton the toe in monza after um vettel gave leclerc the toe in belgium so you know if we're going one for one and we're alternating races like everything is out of whack here and we've got a serious issue of the rising superstar versus the the aging superstar i think vettel still has a lot of driving left as we've as we've seen he was the better driver uh in Russia on Sunday but you've got this really sticky situation that Mattia Bonotto and Ferrari haven't been able to figure out yet so what do they do here like if you're put yourself in Mattia Bonotto's shoes and like what are you telling both of your drivers as you're going into Suzuka
1: I think you have to tell them that The results of qualifying are going to dictate a lot of the strategy and you have to do the alternating, the punching the air, the alternation, because that's kind of the best system you have out there because you can't, you know, or, you know, Leclerc punches the air for Vettel's first run in Q3. And then, you know, Vettel punches Leclerc's air for the second lap in Q3, figure out something like that. But like, once you figure out, Hey, Leclerc's on pole, Vettel's behind, you say Vettel You know, unless something changes, unless there's a slight mechanical failure on Leclerc's car or Leclerc is losing pace, like you're playing wingman if he has to, you know? Or, hey, we're going to put you guys on alternate strategies and you guys can battle that out on the track. But, like, if Ferrari had just let the guys race, they wouldn't have this issue, you know? Vettel would have gotten past. Uh, Leclerc on the start and he's just like that's just racing like that's just where it is like um, Leclerc's not going to go over and give Hamilton a toe because he wants to spite Vettel like if he's doing that then they should just kick him off Ferrari altogether but I think they just need to let them race because these guys aren't coming together like ricardo verstappen or ocon perez like they haven't actually clashed at all they still respect each other on track they still respect what the you know what the ferrari means and like the they're still going for the team win you know we saw that with vettel in spa when he kind of like accepted hey i'm gonna be trying to do whatever hold up i can for leclerc to get the win and so i don't think it's spun out to that level on track yet but definitely behind the scenes I'd be interested to see what Ferrari's like because it is like the media's behind Leclerc and down on Vettel. The fans are high on Leclerc and maybe kind of like, "Oh, Vettel's an aging legend and we can't trust but we can't trust him anymore with the Ferrari to be the bleeding the charge for Ferrari." And so inside Ferrari, that's going to be taking hold of like You know, when it comes down to the better team members, the better mechanics, the better parts, the more the first opportunity at upgrade, who gets it? And that's really hard to keep balanced. And it's a new territory for Ferrari. You know, we were talking about how look, they've never had a one, they've always had the one, two driver. Now they don't have that. So either they have to rework Vettel's role or they have to accept that, you know, we're going to have two. Type A drivers, we're gonna have two number one drivers, and we're gonna to have to play it on a week by week basis and a race by race basis. If coming all the way back to Russia, if they had just let him race, Vettel goes in front, he has the faster pace, they eventually, you know, they figured out in the pits. And if Vettel's MG UK doesn't go down, it's Ferrari 1-2, which is exactly what Ferrari wants.
0: So the great thing about Formula One is the soap opera will play out in front of us, we've got uh, races to be seen. Uh, Suzuka is next on the calendar where Ferrari is notoriously strong. As we mentioned, the Mercedes, uh, another 1-2, a track that they are undefeated at here in Sochi. Uh, it was pretty much a layup once uh, Ferrari biffed all their strategy. Um, Botas was able to hold off Leclerc, and uh, Hamilton uh, ran out front. And it was just a gift for uh, for the Mercedes. Familiar sights, the 1-2 again this season. On to Red Bull. Verstappen qualified fifth, uh, started ninth after penalties, and drove to fourth. Uh, So a typically strong drive uh, from Verstappen, kind of finishing where he should have as Vettel uh, DNF'd in the race. He did great on a track that didn't really suit uh, Red Bull. A little bit of fun overtaking, and then really just cruised. Alex Albon crashed in Q2 and really did a number on his car, took engine penalties and a new floor, Uh, So he started from the pit lane. Great drive from the young British Thai driver uh, to get up into fifth. The safety car helped, but he was overtaking into turn four all day. Had a nice little jab there uh, with Gastly and ended up getting past him. So here we are through four races. We mentioned in the preview pod that we wanted to see some more overtaking from Alex Albon. And that is exactly uh, what we got as he sliced and diced his way through the field. Tom, where do you see... Uh, the Red Bull seats being awarded next year. Do you feel like it's going to stay Verstappen and Albon for 2020?
1: I think it has to. I think that Pierre Gasly has had a lot more races and did a lot less with them than Albon has. Uh, Albon has four top six finishes uh, through his four races at Red Bull, while Gasly only had five top six races in his entire time with Red Bull. So I think you just have to give to Albon. Uh, He has started from the back of the field in both Spa and in Russia, and he tore his way through the field and still got that sixth place or fifth place position. Gasly started from the back in a few races earlier this season and just couldn't make it happen. He couldn't get those overtakes to happen when they needed to. I don't know if it was the pressure. I don't know if it was the fact he was uncomfortable with the car. I don't know if he was just not taking risks because he didn't want to put it in the wall. I don't know, but he's looking a lot better back at Toro Rosso. Albon's looking a lot more confident and aggressive at Red Bull. And so I think if you have Verstappen-Albon at Red Bull, Gasly Kafiyat at Toro Rosso, you're looking at a pretty solid lineup for your A team and your B team, and I think that you have to be happy if you are Diedrich Manischitz because you've got four great racers on two good teams.
0: Yeah, I don't think this. I don't think the standings at this point are that relevant, but we'll give them to you just because we have them. Uh, Gasly has 69 and Albon has 52, uh, and with the races left, I think we fully expect Albon uh, to be able to pass Gasly, um, and, and finish above him in the, in the WDC. So for what it's worth, Gasly at 69 and Albon, uh, at 52. So I think you're right. I think Verstappen and Albon is the easy choice. I think if you're swapping deck chairs, um, there's not, you know, what, from what we've seen, there's not a really, really good reason to demote Albon. There's still time left, uh, for him to be scrutinized and for him to be, um, obviously under the microscope, but I think at this point, Albon is winning the head-to-head versus Gasly and just what we've seen uh, from both drivers on the number one side this season.
1: Given all of that, I bet that Red Bull would be very happy to have Carlos Sainz back in the fold as he has just been tearing it up at McLaren and is back in the points after a rough start to the second half of the season. Uh, He was able to... Uh, get Botos on the start using that slipstream. Uh, he was actually fighting with Hamilton for like a hot minute in the beginning of the race. Uh, but then, you know, ended up losing the position to the front runners. And then he kind of cruised to sixth overall for the race, which is a great finish for McLaren. Uh, and like we said, um, after a few uh, rough races in Spa, Monza, and Singapore. He drove a perfect race, got sixth, was able to battle with Albon a little bit, but all in all, great race for McLaren.
0: Yeah, Science is back on the train. Uh, he he will be the best of the rest. It's hard to tell. It's confusing whether we whether we call him the best of the rest at this point um, because he's currently still behind Pierre Gasly, who was obviously in the Red Bull for most of the season, uh, so had the advantage there. Is it now in a Toro Rosso? Um, so signs will uh, eventually pass Gasly here pretty soon. Um, signs after the summer break, he had a DNF uh, in Belgium, a DNF in Monza, and a twelfth in Singapore. Uh, so good to see him him get back. And it was really fun to see those McLarens battling up there in the front row off the start uh, with that helicopter shot. I think on the replays when we were looking at kind of what was happening at the front with the slipstream, but the, the and the and the uh, Mercedes. After the second or third time that we saw the uh, the helicopter shot, it was like, "Whoa!" There's the two papaya cars, you know, slingshotting their way up and being uh, pretty competitive up there at the front uh, for a little bit. Norris drove a good race as well and did a good job battling with Albon. Uh, ended eighth after Kevin Magnussen took a penalty, so a double points finish for McLaren. Uh, a great result for them, as Renault obviously had some issues.
1: Yeah, and um, Norris might have even gotten higher up uh, had the safety car and the virtual safety car not played into it. Uh, Andreas Seidel, team principal over McLaren, was adamant that it could have been a 5-6 finish for the Papaya cars. Unfortunately, did not end up that way, but still great finish, great double points finish for them. Great finish as well for uh, Racing Point's Sergio Perez. Uh, he is in the points again after disappointing Singapore. Uh, he qualified 12th and got up to 7th uh, overall yeah, by the end of the race. Uh, he just really... Did not put a foot wrong, Uh, even though they did pit before the safety car and the virtual safety car. He was still able to um, drive a great race. He did a great job overtaking Magnuson. He did a great job defending uh, Albon for as long as he could. Um, So just a really great drive from the Mexican driver uh, who has taken a 6 in Belgium, a seventh in Italy, and now a seventh in Russia. So once again, Maclaire, or Racing Point and Perez coming on strong in the second half of the season.
0: On to Haas, who finally showed a sliver of life after uh, a dumpster fire of a season. Kevin Magnussen, he really drove great. It was awesome to see him in a competitive car again. Started 14th, uh, had a great opening lap, and really looked like the Kevin Magnussen of old, battling, not letting people pass, like being a pain in the ass on the track. He took a pit under the safety car and then was battling Perez. He didn't break in time, went over the curbs and lost a place and still got a penalty for not following the exact procedure for going off at turn two, like a massive technicality. Uh, He was eventually given a five-second penalty for missing the bollard and lost his eighth-place position uh, to Lando Norris. And let's just say that the Haas group, Kevin Magnuson and Steiner included, were not happy.
1: No, uh, and they were immediately uh, showing their disappointment. Um, Steiner getting on the radio um, during like the cool down lap and talking to Kevin Magnus, and He's like, "Hey, Kevin, great drive. Hey, team, great drive." But if we would have had eighth, if we hadn't wouldn't have a stupid, idiotic steward, we would be eighth. Uh, Magnus replied, "You know, hey, like great race, but what a load of bullshit." Uh, Steiner then said, started to say. You know who is to blame, but then the radio cuts out. Uh, And I think this is uh, the FIA and Formula One management um, cutting the mic early is kind of what the conspiracy theories are saying. Um, And now Steiner is probably going to be getting a fine or at least a stern talking to from the FIA uh, for the outburst on the radio. Um, And Ted, I just got to say, do you think Steiner is fair or foul in his assessment of the stewards this weekend?
0: I think this is just you know, the rules are the rules and you can play those games, but you know, he wasn't putting anybody in danger. It's it's a, it's a technicality where he's, he's off the track. He's already lost the place. So he's already been punished for going off the track um, going over the curbs. And I think at this point, you've just, you've got to let those things, you got to let those things go. And I think I, I say that to a certain extent because this team has been beat down so much uh, over the course of the season that, giving them a penalty at this point is just insult to injury. And in all seriousness, I think if this had happened at the top of the race with the leaders, we may see a different story. So I think there's some wishy-washy stuff going on uh, there, but obviously Haas and Magnussen don't have the karma build up at this point to escape those penalties and, Really unfortunate that they couldn't have placed higher, but good for them to get uh, back into the points. Haas hasn't scored points uh, since Germany, where oddly enough, they had a double points finish. So uh, good for Haas to get back into the points, even if it was only one of their drivers.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Grosjean went three wide with Giovinazzi and Ricardo into uh, turn four on lap one and was knocked out almost immediately. Um, Kind of a bummer drive for him. Uh, It also caused Ricardo to have a... Uh, puncture, which led to floor damage, which led to a Renault retirement on lap 24. Uh, But unfortunately, the Renault's suffering was not over as Holkenberg had just a real terrible race, unfortunately. He had initially qualified sixth, but then he had a really bad start where he lost three spots uh, on the opening lap. Kevin Magnussen was one of the people to take advantage of him there. Uh, He had a slow pit stop. Uh, that took place before the virtual safety car. So we kind of got caught out by that. Uh, his car also fell off the jack without all four tires on. So that slowed it down. It was just a mess, uh, down there in the Renault pits. And then to top it all off, uh, he had power unit issues for the second half of the race. So, um, as he said in his post-race interview, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, uh, and I'm sure they're going to be happy to get onto Suzuka, uh, which should be a nice, speedy track for them, and hopefully, you know, they can get out there and flex their muscles and take on the McLarens um, before the end of the season and try and get try and catch up at least a little bit on their customer team.
0: Cleaning up the rest of the field, Toro Rosso ran well, but penalties made it tough for them to compete. Gasly almost torpedoed the torpedo, but it ended up 14th. Uh, Overall, Kafiat drove well in front of the home fans and took 12th. Alpha never looked fast on the track. Uh, Kimmy jumped the start and caught himself, so he was he was in a weird spot. It was a really long lights out session. Um, You know the lights, the five the five reds were long for a really long time. So I think uh, it was inevitable that somebody was going to jump, and that was uh, that was Kimmy. So he ended up getting a bad get off uh, plus a penalty and never recovered. Meanwhile. Giovinazzi got got by Romain Grosjean and was out of the points for the rest of the day. Williams had his first double DNF of the season. George Russell, obviously the center of attention. Um, his brakes failing and causing uh, the actual safety car to come out. And then uh, Williams retiring Kubica's car to prevent the same issue. Uh, things continuing to look bad for them. Still just a lone point on the season.
1: And that brings us to our uh, driver standings for 2019 so far. uh, We have uh, Lewis Hamilton out front with 322 points. Botas in second with 249 points. Leclerc in third with 215 points. uh, Right ahead of Max Verstappen, who has 212 points. uh, Vettel falling behind those two um, with 194 points. Gasly in sixth with 69 points. Nice signs in 7th with 66 points. Albon in 8th with 52. Norris in ninth with 35, right ahead of Danny Ricardo, who has 34, tied with his teammate Hulkenberg. They're sharing the 10th place spot. Kofit and Perez also tied uh, with 33 points. They're in 12th and 13th. Raikkonen in 14th with 31 points. Magnussen in 15th with 20. Stroll in 16th with 19 points. Grosjean in 17th with eight points. Gionati behind him with four. Kubica in 19th with one point, And George Russell still with no points this season.
0: Your 2019 constructor standings. Mercedes way out front with 571. Ferrari in second with 409. Red Bull in third with 311. McLaren is the best of the rest with 101. Renault in fifth with 68. That's a pretty big gap um, for Renault to overcome as the number of races this season is dwindling fast. Toro Rosso in 6th with 55, Racing Point in 7th with 52, Alfa Romeo in 8th with 35, Haas in ninth with 28, and Williams in 10th with 1.
1: And for our Pickham, unlike Ferrari, the wheels did not fall off the Tom train. I am coming even closer. We have tied it up 8-8. Eight, eight. Uh, I had Hamilton, who got me 25 points with signs giving me eight as well. Ted, meanwhile, had Botas getting him 18, and Norris giving him one. So uh, I take home the Baltica beer this week. We have five races left, so uh strap on your boots, we have a close one that we're going to end with. Uh, thank you to Mothers Polish for your commercial-free racing, it allowed us to not miss any second of the radio play between the Ferraris this week. Check us out on Twitter at Overtake F1 Pod. Uh, like us, rate us, subscribe to us. That will definitely help us in the Grand Apple uh, algorithm. And we do appreciate your feedback. Let us know what we could do better. Uh, and we are on to Japan in two weeks. One of the best tracks out there. Uh, and one of the best chances for Ferrari uh, late this season to make another shot at a win. We will speak to you soon from Japan.